Trigger warning. The following episode contains references to gore, sexual content, animal cruelty, human suffering, death, factual inaccuracies, several entitled people making light of all these things. If any of the aforementioned topics cause you discomfort, you may want to listen to a different episode. Here to take the remainder of your questions is my press secretary, William Johnson Hippo. I'm Adam. Oh my god, a lady stole my toy and my mom went crazy! Oh, the police are here, let me in! I'm Andy. Sir, if you'll just put away the lion, we're here to discuss some highly dangerous raccoons spotted on your property. I'm Kelly. To quote Shel Silverstein, we've got humpy bumpy camels and chimpanzees. I'm Sean, and this is Acid Pop. Hello everyone, and welcome back. Today, we're going to be talking about exotic pets. Oh, I love them. Yeah, they're going to be fun. You mean like our cat? (laughs) Not quite. Very exotic, that cat. She's unusual. (laughs) I'll give you that. She's just unusual because she won't poop in a box. Uh, She'll poop in my suitcase occasionally. (laughs) (laughs) So exotic comes from Greek exotikos. Which was just a long-winded way of saying exo, which means outside. This is an outside dog. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Look at this exotic dog. (laughs) Pet is relatively recent. It was a Scottish word from the 1500s, meaning a tamed animal, which may not be entirely applicable to today's animals. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. More a contained animal. Yeah. (laughs) So we learned about zoophobia in our invasive animal species episode, which is probably the most applicable for our subject today. Could be exozoophobia. Fear of outside animals. (laughs) So I've got a lot of good stories today, so our quiz is going to be a little on the short side, but we've got a few questions here. This true-false section, we're going to talk about some of the exotic pet laws in the United States, which vary from state to state. Okay. So, true or false, it's illegal to own a lion in Nevada without a permit. I mean, it sounds true. If it was going to be legal anywhere, I'd say it'd probably be legal in Nevada. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there used to be a guy with a black bear as a pet down by the lake. (laughs) Yeah, Who are they going to pay to do the lion permitting? (laughs) I'm just going to say it's legal to own a lion in Nevada regardless. Oh, that's a sweet, cushy job, though. Yeah. (laughs) So this is false. You can own any non-domestic feline without a permit or license. I was right. Nevada found the loophole. (laughs) I am so on it. You can also own primates without a permit or license. Also on it. Though you can't own a raccoon. What a fantastic state we live in. No raccoons. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Raccoons against the law. Lions, not so much. They've got those tiny little human hands. You can't trust (laughs) them. Not like chimpanzees or (laughs) gorillas. Why people move to Nevada, so the government can't control their cats. (laughs) Yeah. So true or false, you can't own a bear in Washington. State or D.C.? State. I mean, Washington seems like it would be a place with a lot of bears, so you might have easy access. Well, that would be why they need to enact a law up there, because there's so many bears. Washington (laughs) also seems to be a place where they can serve, and if somebody takes all of our bears, they won't be here for us native Washingtonians. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to say this is true. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, this is true. Washington doesn't allow people to own dangerous animals as pets. That includes bears, alligators, and, in Everett, pit bulls. And Henri cats. <laughs> you know, 
rare. Certain toddlers. <laughs> that seems like such a vague law. <laughs> yeah. A lot of these are really vague. Like when they say exotic, you know, what does that mean? Yeah. yeah. I think they intentionally keep it vague so that they can, you know, use their judgment situation by situation. What if like a, a parakeet ran to the judge's head when he was a kid or something? <laughs> <laughs> parakeet murdered my ma. <laughs> you can't own a fox in Alabama. That sounds false. Alabama has a lot of laws for bad things. Alabama seems like a state you could own raccoons in. Yeah. <laughs> but what about foxes? And, and raccoons, possums, polecats. <laughs> I'm going to say you can own a fox. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, this is true. You cannot own a fox in Alabama. Yeah. Tigers are fine, though. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm going to call Alabama on that bluff. <laughs> you need a permit in Rhode Island to own a stag beetle. <laughs> that seems true to me for some reason. Like, I don't know why it wouldn't be, but it's real dumb. It's such a small <laughs> state that they're afraid of big insects. <laughs> <laughs> Saw too many black and white creature features. My God, if grasshoppers came to the state, he'd eat us whole. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be true. I'm going to say that's false. Instead, you're just not allowed to have them at all. Mm. Well, this is false. Rhode Island requires proof of adequate knowledge and housing for all non-domestic pets, but insects are exempt from this. Huh. Okay. That's on the books. Stag beetles. Just insects aren't pets, says Rhode Island. <laughs> You just pissed off a bunch of etymologists. Not me. I'm on their side. <laughs> there are no pet restrictions in Wisconsin. <laughs> I mean, what are they going to hurt out there? <laughs> Polar bears. Can you get into all the cheese? <laughs> they killed the Packers. <laughs> I'm going to say this is true. There's got to be some restrictions. Zero restrictions for Wisconsin. You guys go crazy. I'm going to say they have a leash law for any large cat. This is true. The only rule on the books is if an animal is brought from an outside state and it is to be sold in a pet shop and it is common, it needs a clean bill of health. That's it. I guess that is where we sell sugar gliders. That's true. So I could sell sickly tigers, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's another super vague law, like common. Yeah. So you're saying I can't sell like one tiger, but if I bring a whole lot of tigers into Wisconsin, suddenly they're not so uncommon. No, no. I'm saying you can sell a tiger just fine because it's not common, so it doesn't need a clean bill of health. <laughs> so I can just sell a single tiger. Yep. If you want to sell a dog, you have to prove that it's at least healthy, but not that it's legal. Okay. Look, if you're buying a tiger and it's sick, that's your own damn fault. I mean, I feel like this is going to lead to outbreak where we just have sickly monkeys in Wisconsin. Yep. Found this monkey, fell off the back of a van. So we're on to our fill in the blank. Which of the following has not been a pet in the White House? A parrot, a sheep, a tiger, a pygmy hippo, a raccoon, an alligator, Jesus, or a possum? Is only one of these is the right answer? I'm going to say raccoon. I know a parrot was a thing because they had to remove Andrew Jackson's parrot from his funeral because it wouldn't stop cussing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did just read that the other day. I feel like sheep was a thing at one point. I'm going to say they didn't allow raccoons in the White House. They look like little thieves. And they Nobody likes the raccoons. Of independence. Yeah, yeah they'd, they'd go all Nick Cage on them. <laughs> I think it's the pygmy hippo. Yeah. Where would you put it? <laughs> I feel like Teddy Roosevelt might have had just a pygmy hippo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What were the other ones? Uh, let's see. Uh, parrot, sheep, tiger, hippo, raccoon, alligator, possum. Yeah, I, I think pygmy hippo, but I'll be damned if it wouldn't be adorable. <laughs> so the correct answer is none of the above. These have all been pets in the White House. Who had the hippo? 
I think it was Calvin Coolidge. And what was its name? Uh, I it was oh shit I don't remember I knew it a second ago but Calvin Coolidge sort of had a menagerie like half the animals on this list were Calvin Coolidge <laughs> he had the hippo the possum the raccoon the sheep comes into his press conferences with a harpy eagle on his shoulder wearing sunglasses they're like sir what are you doing he's like I'm too fucking Coolidge for you. <laughs> his name was Billy ah uh, there you go Billy I was gonna say Teddy but that wouldn't make sense that'd be a bear. Or William Johnson Hippopotamus. <laughs> Is that his full name? Yes. <laughs> Honey, fetch me William Johnson Hippopotamus. I'd like to have some tea on the veranda. <laughs> so how much to buy a tiger? 6,000 bucks. Okay. <laughs> on the barrel head. <laughs> Depends if you buy them in bulk. And where am I buying this tiger? It's an old sickly tiger from Siegfried and Roy. <laughs> It, it does depend where you buy it. I, I found a few different answers on a few different sites. Are you thinking about Valentine's Day? <laughs> <laughs> I'll say 10000 I'm going to say 20000 Okay. Well, on one site I found listed them at $2,500. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the other sites listed them for much less. Some as low as $300. Wow. Yeah. I am getting a tiger today. <laughs> The site that was the 2500 was like, okay, I know that sounds cheap, but they eat like $4,000 in meat every day. So, <laughs> oh, you know, I don't have to pay for meat. I live right next to a school. <laughs> <laughs> no trespassing, kids. The, kid, no, the, the kids can only see the tiger if they bring a steak. <laughs> All the kids will have to start wearing those masks on the back of their head. <laughs> <laughs> and that concludes our acid pop quiz. I thought I was lowballing with 6000 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Turns out Tigers is cheap. So on to our stories. So Ronald Huff really liked lizards, so much so that he let his seven Nile monitor lizards roam around his house. No. These six foot or two meter long lizards have sharp claws, sharp teeth, and more than enough aggression. The hunger for human flesh. <laughs> <laughs> He kept hissing cockroaches to feed his lizards and would basically just let some loose so they could run them down. It's really just asking for trouble at this point. <laughs> so Ron had been missing for a few days when the police were called to his apartment. Oh boy. They found the door was hard to open. The lizards had barricaded it. <laughs> it was almost like there was something heavy pressed up against it. After they shoved their way in, they found that it was Ron, who had clearly been dead for a few days. A friend of his told the police that he had been bitten by one of his lizards and believed that he was developing a staph infection. Staph infections don't tend to be fatal, but they are accompanied by a high fever. To keep his lizards happy, Ron kept his whole apartment at over 80 degrees Fahrenheit, or 27 degrees Celsius. Ron sounds smelly. <laughs> it's believed that while staggering about in a fugue state due to the fever, he sat down and pressed himself against his front door as it was probably the coolest place in his apartment. Huh? Sadly, Ron expired there, and shortly thereafter, his lizards got hungry. We're the damn cockroaches. <laughs> I don't hear the hissing, Ron. <laughs> Fuck you, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> When the police found him, both his hands, most of his face, and a good portion of his abdomen were gone, having been eaten by the lizards. Ron's friend was called to the apartment to try and help figure out what happened, but they neglected to cover up Ron before he arrived. God. Oh, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> he said the blood had all just turned black. It looked like fake blood. His cheek had been eaten off by the lizards, and his molars were where his ears should be. 
So just about any pet will kill you when pressed, but if you own lizards that naturally feast on carrion and you die, you just made their day. <laughs> and yeah. turn into carrion? Yeah. <laughs> what if the stuff infection makes him taste off? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if, around it. If he got it from the lizards, they probably don't care. It's true. So our next story here. Pam Weaver of Queensland, Australia, had quite the collection of strange animals. It was her 60th birthday, so her family wanted to get her something special and new. 60 tarantulas. <laughs> and they eventually settled on a camel. Okay. <laughs> you know, just a low maintenance pet. More of a means of transportation than a pet. But... <laughs> well, very excited to have a new pet. The camel was acting a bit strange. The lonely camel kept trying to mate with Pam's other pets, especially her goat. Oh, no. <laughs> they repeatedly had to run the camel off. In August of 2007, the Randy Camel was at it again, and Pam went to chase it off. Uh -oh. The camel watched in despair as its goat lover was taken away, but then a <laughs> wonderful idea occurred to it. As Pam turned back, the camel kicked her to the ground and basically teabagged her to death. Oh, no. <laughs> she was found dead sometime later by her husband with a distinct footprint on her face, suggesting that the camel had stood on her while it tried to do its gruesome work. <laughs> One hump or two. <laughs> Damn it, Andy. Save that stuff for the intro. <laughs> Our next story here. Norman Buwalda of Ontario, Canada, really liked big cats. He owned five of them, including a lion, a tiger, and a cougar. He was also the president of the Canadian Exotic Animal Owners Association, or CIOA. He was also the only <laughs> member. <laughs> While mostly careful, he did get a little cavalier sometimes. Once, in 2004, a 10-year-old boy came to Norm's property to take some pictures of his tiger for a school report. Norm wanted to make sure he got a good shot, so he put the tiger on a leash and brought it out to the boy. No. <laughs> in a stunning turn of events, the tiger lunged at the boy, and Norm was unable to stop the 350-pound or 158-kilogram tiger from slashing the child. The child lived, but the community decided they'd had enough and passed a law banning exotic pets. <laughs> banning school reports. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> that kid's a hero. Norm fought these laws for years and successfully blocked the passing of the law, but the community wasn't about to give up. The fight continued until January of 2010, when a member of Norm's family came by to find his 650-pound or 300-kilogram Siberian tiger chewing on his corpse. No one really knows how long he was in there or exactly what happened, but the most important thing is Norm learned a valuable lesson, <laughs> though perhaps a little later than he ought. Yeah, <laughs> taking a tiger out on a leash is, it's like watching those videos of three-year-olds holding on to golden retrievers. Yeah. Yeah. That tiger wants that boy, that tiger gonna get that boy. <laughs> tiger goes where he wants. <laughs> it's a lesson in physics. So in January of 2018 in Basingstoke, England, Daniel Brandon owned 12 tarantulas and 10 snakes, including no. Tiny, an 8-foot or 2.5-meter African rock python. Oh, I thought you were going to say a 2-foot tarantula. <laughs> 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 On the night of January 24th, Dan's mother heard a thud coming from his room, but assumed it was just something being knocked over. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. The next morning, when Dan hadn't come down for breakfast, she found him dead in his room and tiny under a cabinet nearby. The police showed up and were like, yep, he got strangled by a snake. But uh, looking back at the situation, some people think that things don't add up. Other local snake owners who knew Dan said that not only did he know full well how to untangle himself from a python, but if the snake had done it, it wouldn't have let go and slunk under a cabinet. Yeah, it would have swallowed him, I would think. Yeah. <laughs> Murdered. 
A reptile expert named John Cooper examined the next skin that Tiny shed and said that there were no scratch marks on it. And surely, if he had been strangled by the snake, he would have tried to fight back in some capacity. As of yet, there is not a criminal investigation over Dam's death, but some people have their suspicions. Hmm. Strangely enough, another reptile collector, (laughs) Dick Dastardly, was able to get the snakes for free. (laughs) So Marius Ells was a kind-hearted man in Free State, South Africa, who took in pets on his farm. He had a giraffe and a rhino, and a few years ago, he adopted a pet that his wife wasn't so sure about. As the pet grew, it was getting more than a little aggressive. He once chased a 52-year-old man and his grandson up a tree and paced about below them until Marius called him off. Sometimes he got out, visited a local golf course, and chased the golfers around. (laughs) At least he's having fun. (laughs) On more than one occasion, he got out and killed some of the calves at the neighbor's farm. But Marius loved his pet. He named him Humphrey, and he said to interviewers, Humphrey's like a son to me. He's just like a human. There's a relationship between me and Humphrey, and that's what people don't understand. A big murderous son. (laughs) In the interview, he was shown riding Humphrey. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to laugh if Humphrey's a tortoise. (laughs) (laughs) Look at him pace down there furiously. (laughs) Unfortunately for Marius, it turned out that Humphrey was a little more like a good son. (laughs) One day while Marius was swimming with Humphrey, a 2,645 pound or 1,200 kilogram hippopotamus, which he decided he'd had enough of his dad and mauled Marius to death. Just having one of his outbursts. (laughs) Imagine being on a nice golf outing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hit into the water trap. Oh my goodness. (laughs) The authorities and members of the local community all strained not to say, I told you so, at his funeral. (laughs) Did Humphrey wear a bow tie for it? (laughs) I think Humphrey got put down, but I'm not sure. I mean, he's just doing hippo things. Don't put him down for killing a guy in the water. Yeah. That's what hippos do. That's true. So for our next story, Kelly Ann Walls lived with her husband and two kids just outside Allentown, Pennsylvania. In the late 90s, they decided they wanted to keep some exotic animals and acquired the permits to do so. Over the next few years, they brought in a lion, a cougar, a jaguar, a tiger, a bear, a leopard, and two servals. Most were rescued from other places and a bit on in their years. It was a fun hobby, but as the animals would die of old age, they weren't replaced. Deciding they were more or less done with the large exotic animal scene, they let their permit lapse in 2008, though they still had a lion, a tiger, and a bear. (laughs) Oh my. (laughs) In October of 2009, their neighbor came over with his two kids to join Kelly's two kids in watching as she fed the animals. Now, it's standard operating procedure that when you have a large, deadly animal, you divide its enclosure in two so that you can lock the animal in one half while you clean the other. But Kelly was a professional. She knew what she was doing. (laughs) She doesn't need any of that safety mumbo jumbo. (laughs) Bunch of crap if you ask me. She brought a shovel full of dog food to the bear cage and threw it in a corner. (laughs) As the bear trundled over to eat the food, Kelly entered the cage to clean it. Unfortunately, this time, the 350 pound or 150 kilogram bear decided it wanted something besides dog food to eat. Oh God, it invited the other children. Children. <laughs> As the neighbor and four kids watched in terror, the bear turned and swatted Kelly to the ground before mauling her. The neighbor dashed inside, grabbed a gun, ran back, and shot the bear dead. The authorities were called, and when the bear was levered off of Kelly, she was pronounced dead at the scene. 
Uh, That's impressively quick thinking, though. Yeah, it's a good thing he had a gun, I guess. Yeah. No, I mean, not really. It didn't help at all. Well, she I mean, was dead. Yeah, that's true. But the, in the interview with the guy, he basically said that the door was still open and Kelly had the lock. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, that's probably pretty good then. <laughs> But yeah, mostly it's just there were four kids that were watching and the kids didn't run back inside. No, I see. I probably would have fainted or peed myself. Maybe both. I've had cats and dogs turn and snap at me. Yeah. The thing is, they're relatively small. Yep. If a bear just gets a little edgy, it, <laughs> you know. If it just plays a little too rough. Yeah. yeah. It's like all the videos you see online of people like, oh, this is my big old bear and I've owned him for years and we hug. And I'm like, one day that hug is just not going to end. I just love you so much. And they don't even need to mean it. Yeah. So, chimpanzees. Uh oh. <laughs> Terrible idea. They're super smart and they can interact with people and objects in all kinds of cool ways, but they can't exactly be tamed. And the older they get, the more ornery they get. Travis was a chimp born in 1995. He was adopted by the Heralds in Stamford, Connecticut when he was just three days old. Travis was raised in the house with the family of three and was really just the fourth member of the family. He wore clothes, rode in the car with a seatbelt on, ate dinner at the table, used the computer to look up pictures online, what? and was much beloved by the community. And that's fine when it's little. Yeah. <laughs> the Herald's daughter was killed in a car accident, and a few years later, Jerome Harold died of cancer, leaving Sandra and Travis the only surviving members of the house. In 2003, while driving around, someone threw something at Travis. So Travis opened the car door and took off after the perp. <laughs> Get you little shits. <laughs> he couldn't find him, but he disrupted traffic and evaded the police several times. This incident led to the passing of a new law that required anyone who owned a primate weighing more than 50 pounds to get a permit and register the animal. But since Travis had been around for so long and everyone loved him, he was exempt from this new law, even <laughs> though his actions started the law and he weighed 200 pounds or 91 kilograms. He's untouchable. <laughs> in the next few years, Sandra took to sleeping with Travis in the bed every night mm. and stated, until you've eaten with a chimp and bathed with a chimp, you don't know that chimp. It's true. In 2009, Travis got out and Sandra was having trouble coaxing him back into the house. She called her neighbor, Charla Nash, to help get Travis back inside. Charla grabbed one of Travis's favorite toys and tried to lure him back in. When Travis saw the woman holding his favorite toy, uh -oh. he thought a robber had stopped on their way out to rub in his face that they'd gotten his favorite toy. <laughs> and he attacked Charla with vigor. Sandra heard the screams and ran around the house to find Travis tearing Charla to pieces. Ugh. She grabbed a shovel and beat Travis, but he didn't even seem to notice. She ran inside, grabbed a knife, and stabbed Travis in the back. Jeez. Travis whipped around, and when he saw that his mom had stabbed him, he went ballistic. Sandra ran for her life and called the police. When they arrived, Travis ran up to the passenger side and tried to open the door. When it was locked, he ripped off the mirror and went around <laughs> to the driver's door. Door. Yep. The driver was waiting on the other side of the door, gun cocked, and as soon as Travis opened it, he took two to the chest. Jeez. Travis finally retreated inside, where he collapsed dead on the floor. <sighs> In the aftermath, Charla lost her hands, nose, eyes, lips, most of the bones in her face, and some of her brain. Some of the staff that tried to put Charla back together needed therapy afterwards. True. Charla sued Sandra, but while the case was working its way through the courts, Sandra died of a heart attack. <laughs> 
Charlo was awarded $4 million from the Herald's estate and went on to sue the state since they knew about Travis and had made no efforts to do anything about him. Sued the state over their dumbass monkey law. <laughs> but look, guys, if I'm ever being torn apart by a chimp and I've lost all of my body parts, yeah. <laughs> just, just let me lie there yeah, for a little while. Just kill me before the chimp finishes me. <laughs> I can't feel but feel bad for Travis, too, though. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. he never should have been there. Bitch stole my toy. So Charla received a face transplant and two hand transplants. From Travis. <laughs> <laughs> The face took okay, but the hands did not and had to be removed again. As we've learned, hand transplants are tricky. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you want to hear something that will haunt your nightmares, there's a recording of Sandra's call to 911. Oh, no. Sandra is screaming for help, and you can hear the sounds of a very angry chimp in the background. Oh, Lord. The 911 operator goes back and forth between shock and the level-headed calm 911 operators are famous for. <laughs> He's like, slow down. Who's attempting to attack your friend? Who? A chimpanzee? Uh, okay, uh, move away from the animal so you don't get attacked. I mean, he's he can only be expected to handle so much. Yeah, he could just see that, like, he did a pretty good job on that call. I'll give him credit. But you could tell he was more than a little like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, pardon me? Have you tried bananas? <laughs> you say he's going bananas. <laughs> If you want to live with something intelligent that gets ornery as it ages, just adopt a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get a parrot or something. At least when a child kills you, it doesn't mess around. Yeah, at least the law can touch that thing. <laughs> And for our final story here, let's talk about Terry Thompson. So Terry Thompson grew up in Zanesville, Ohio. He was a fairly normal guy, Boy Scout, football player, ladies man, and generally considered a good person. In 1967, though, he was drafted into the armed forces to fight in Vietnam. After he came back, he was never quite the same. He was a used car salesman for a little while, and he started a garage for fixing Harleys and received a license to sell firearms. He married a woman named Marion, and the two stayed together for the next 40 years. They did quite well for themselves, and in the late 90s, more or less on a whim, they went to an exotic animal auction. At that time, Ohio didn't really have any laws on animal ownership, so if you could find a seller, you could buy a lion. And the Thompsons just found a seller. It's our lucky day. <laughs> After adopting the baby lion, they became known as the people in town who owned a lion. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dream. So whenever anyone else looking for a home for something strange, the Thompsons were called. Over the next 10 years or so, they bought or took on another 16 lions, 18 tigers, eight bears, two wolves, and several monkeys. That's too many. This is like that thing where your parents hear you collect cows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How many acres do you have for your property? It's like that movie, We Bought a Murder Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> But it's hard to have so many animals and not attract attention. Neighbors would complain about the smell, sounds, and occasional bear that got loose and wandered into their backyard. How inconvenient. <laughs> it was around this time that things started to go downhill for Terry. Over the next few years, the police were called to his property 35 times, often with veterinarians and experts for the Columbia Zoo in tow, to look into a complaint filed against him. No one really liked the way he was treating his animals, but technically he hadn't broken any laws, so they had to leave without enacting any changes. In 2008, it was found that Terry possessed guns that he really shouldn't have and was sentenced to a year in federal prison. While Terry was in prison, his wife was off doing horse shows and other animal things, and so she paid a 
caretaker to come a few times a week and feed the animals. Yeah, we just got the neighbor kid to come over. Yeah, basically. When Terry got out of jail, he returned home to find it in ruins. No one had been in his house for over six months, and there were bags filled with animal feces that had been festering for all that time. His property was in shambles, and the mortgage hadn't been paid, and he owed more than $12,000 in back taxes that had piled up while he was incarcerated. Jeez. While he sat and contemplated how he would put his life back together, he found an anonymous letter telling him that his wife had been cheating on him. This was the very last and large final straw that broke Mr. Thompson. So Mr. Thompson walked out back, opened all his animals' cages, filled his pants with chicken parts, and then shot himself in the head. There was no call, no letter, no warning whatsoever. No one had a clue what was happening until a farmer went out to put one of his horses in and he saw a bear in the middle of his pens. (laughs) He turned to go back in the house and he saw a lion hanging out on his lawn. (laughs) He grabbed his horses, locked himself in his barn and called the police. Deputy Mary showed up at the house and went to knock at the door, but a wolf charged at him from the underbrush. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Mary shot it dead, but as his eyes shifted from his kill to the background, he saw two bears, a Bengal tiger, and a lioness moving in. As a unit? (laughs) They've learned learned to strategize. (laughs) He called for backup. The bear certainly had. (laughs) Several officers and a local SWAT team arrived with orders to kill all animals on site. My horses... (laughs) Shooting horses, birds, cats. People are animals, right? (laughs) (laughs) At one point, they had to leave and come back because they ran out of ammo. (laughs) Jeez. What's more, it turned out that no one seemed to know exactly how many animals Terry had. So as the officers investigated the scene, they nervously swiveled their heads around trying to spot any pumas or whatever that might be hiding. (laughs) Is that three tigers or four? (laughs) The hunt went through the night, and early in the morning, Terry's wife was found, and a complete animal inventory was put together. In the end, six animals had never left and were apprehended safely. Forty-nine others were shot dead. Wow. But amazingly, there were no civilian casualties from the wild animals or the trigger-happy police. (laughs) I think they were just the right amount of trigger-happy. Terry was found having been lightly chewed on by a tiger. He was mostly in one piece, but since he'd stuffed his pants with chicken parts, the only part of him to have been seriously damage was a large bite right out of his crotch. <laughs> I thought maybe they just ate his pants off and he was just still sitting there alive. <laughs> he shot himself in the head though. Oh right. Forgot about that part. He missed. <laughs> and that was the story of Terry Thompson. Mm. Oh Terry. Yeah it was kind of a crazy thing because like once the police figured out what was going on the chief was basically like what are we supposed to do? And he's like just, just shoot them all. Like I don't know. Just kill them. And uh, the next day, officials from the zoo came down and basically they'd laid them all out on the lawn. So there was this just like Noah's Ark painting and dead animals across the lawn. (laughs) The zoo officials basically went in the newspaper and was like, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? There's bears and tigers running around. Like, we would have loved to have helped, but we didn't know how many there were or where they were. So the police probably did the right thing. It could have gone a lot worse. Well, and the thing is, the guy got attacked by a wolf immediately. Yeah. (laughs) And that was the last of the stories that I had. Anybody have any personal stories involving exotic animals? I don't know if I've told my mother's stories before, but when she lived in, I think it was Chicago or suburbs nearby, her brothers worked at an exotic pet store and would bring home all manner of things. They owned several parrots. Yeah. They had a a spider monkey. My favorite story is when her brothers brought home an orangutan. Oh. Oh, God. The orangutan was nice enough, but their mother hated it. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty chill compared to chimpanzees, I think, but still. 
One day in a cold winter, the door was left slightly ajar and the orangutan got out and into a tree. Yeah, that's what orangutans do. My grandmother Back decided, in its natural habitat. What do you do to get something out of a tree? Well, you spray it with a hose. <laughs> oh, no. I, I have heard this story. <laughs> the orangutan froze to death in the tree. <laughs> and it wasn't until spring till they got him down. Poor thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm like, whenever I was like, oh, like when I was a kid, I was like, oh, spider monkey would be a cool pet because you'd see him on like Ace Ventura or something. She goes, no, <laughs> they are not. It'll freeze outside. I uh, asked my dad if he had any exotic pet stories because he tends to have stories like that. He used to uh, work in Vegas. <laughs> and I guess while he was there, he got called in to uh, declaw Mike Tyson's tiger cub. Oh, wow. Ooh. <laughs> It's a big one. He said it was just like a kitten, except really big. <laughs> a 50-pound kitten. <laughs> and uh, apparently they had to go after Mike Tyson for a year to get him to pay for it. Oh, wow. <laughs> that sounds Come like on. Mike Tyson. Yeah, I, I'd heard that shortly after Mike Tyson bought his... What were they? Tigers? This was a tiger. tiger yeah. yeah, he bought uh, he bought a few of them. I guess shortly after that, he went bankrupt. And uh, oh. yeah, so that probably was not a good time to ask him for money. Spent all his money on tigers. <laughs> yeah. Give us our money, Mike, or we'll give him back the claws. <laughs> and I guess a guy in uh, Reno had a, um, it was a mountain lion. Oh, geez. It ate a plastic bag full of meat oh. <laughs> that had been intended to feed it. It kind of worked. They had to get the, the bag out of its stomach while they were trying to get it with the syringe on a pole to yeah. knock it out. It just grabbed the guy's arm and tore him apart. Whoa. Um, so they did get the bag out, yeah. but he ended up in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. But yeah, Nevada, you can have big cats. <laughs> like I said, there's there's like a man-made lake in Reno where there was a house that we'd drive by. Like my parents would take us to church and be like, let's go see the bear. And you could drive by this lake and there was a really nice house with a gigantic black bear in oh, this, this huge cage. I don't remember that. Yeah. Oh, and uh, my dad had a co-worker in Vegas who was like the fish guy in Vegas. So he got called out to see all the koi in Vegas, hmm. of which there are a lot. And apparently those things can go for thousands of dollars. Yeah, koi can so, be So uh, fish treatment is uh, good business if you can get it, <laughs> if you can be the fish doctor. I'm the fish doctor. Yeah, growing up, my mom just always had a really soft spot for animals. And if somebody couldn't take care of something or, or something like that, she would basically take it in and rehabilitate it for a little while. So I had lots of weird pets growing up, not for very long. It was just long enough for to get them healthy again. But yeah, a couple couple iguanas, I think a chameleon, there was a possum, lots of birds. Yeah, just lots of weird little things. I think the only thing that we ever owned that would kind of count as exotic is we had ferrets for a little while. We have a tortoise right yeah, now. A that's lot true. of people consider that exotic. Yeah, we do have a tortoise. I got a chinchilla. Yeah, those are fun. And a tortoise. Tortoise less fun than the chinchilla. <laughs> All right. Well, if nobody has any more personal stories, we'll move on to what are your morals worth? So we've learned several stories today about how dangerous it is to get into a pen with a animal that can easily kill you. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to run up and tag a lion. You're it. Yep. <laughs> and then run back. How much to play tag with a lion? I need some dimensions of the room. Is there a door I'm going to be running through? So you're going to go to the zoo and we're going to say that there's a method for getting in and out of the pen that you can use and a lion can't. 
<laughs> Good. You've got one whole day to pull this off. So you want to wait for it to fall asleep or, you know, whatever you feel you need to do. But you're just going to have to get down in there, run up, smack it on the butt and run back. Can I pat it gently on the butt? As long as you touch it. <laughs> okay. You've okay. got some vindictive lions in Seattle. <laughs> but if I have all day to plan, so you're right. I could wait for it to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Is it just the single lion? Like there's no other lions like hiding around? <laughs> for this exercise, we'll say there's just the one lion. Okay, so I'm I'm going to wait till it goes to sleep. I'm going to roll around in the mud <laughs> so that it can't use its heat vision. Arnold Schwarzenegger style. <laughs> Oof, see, I, I feel like even if it's asleep, I'm going to step on a twig and it's going to... Or its tail. So we'll tie pillows to our feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that'd make me run faster. Give <laughs> <laughs> you a trail of feathers wherever you go. It's still going to be a lot of money. Yeah, you're going to have to give me, like, enough to cover at least a mauling. Yeah. <laughs> What's a good mauling going for these days? Uh, I don't know, 500000 bucks. Yeah, I'll do it for 100000 Yeah, that's pretty cheap. I feel like this would have been cheaper, but when we were at the zoo recently, I heard a lion roar. <laughs> and my goodness, that sound goes right through you. Yeah, it'll make you freeze in your tracks. I mean, last time I was at a zoo, I saw a lion pee. <laughs> pee at a woman who has been tapping on the glass. Like, okay, bitch. <laughs> Yeah, my thought is like same thing. Like, I, I think I'd wait for it to go to sleep. But then like, what does a lion do if it wakes up and turns around and sees something running from it? Like, <laughs> I feel like its instincts are going to kick in at that point. See some sort of mud creature about to slap it on the butt. <laughs> so, Sean, what we have to do is walk up casually, <laughs> tap its butt, and then walk away like we hadn't done anything. Whistling. <laughs> yeah, whistle nonchalantly. And man, I can just imagine like your heart's going to be thudding in your ears. <laughs> it's going to be shaking as you do that. I'm going to bring a steak and throw it the opposite direction. Yeah, that's... That's, that's I think I'm going to wait until feeding time when like it's currently eating mm. and then I'm going to run up and, and try and tag it. So you're going to wait until it thinks you're going for its food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to wait till right after feeding time yeah. when it's full and going to take a nap. Yeah, I'm going to bring a dish with a, a finely cooked tri-tip covered in a cloche and then <laughs> tap it on the butt. Remove the cloche. <laughs> is it fancy feast? And then get out of there. It's going to be like, oh my goodness, what is this seasoning? You're so good at this. <laughs> I'm bringing a laser pen. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say a full length mirror. I'm going to hide under a cardboard box. <laughs> Where'd it go? I'm going to buy 15 rats <laughs> and tie colored tassels to each one's tail. <laughs> and release them all at once. <laughs> also, the rats have laser pointers tied to their head. <laughs> 750,000. Me and a laser pointer. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I need. It's a hell of a laser pointer. How many years would I need off to do this? One? Yeah. Once, once probably enough. I, f- I feel like I can make it. I'm probably optimistic, but I feel like I can do it. So yeah, you always are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'll join Adam. A hundred thousand. That sounds. That sounds. Good. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. I need this job. <laughs> well, at this point, I'm putting together a d- dinner and a magic show for this line. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all we've got for this week. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks to my co-hosts for joining me today. Thanks to Gerard, our awesome editor. And thanks to you for tuning in. If you'd like more information about today's episode, check out our website at acidpoppodcast.podbean.com. You can join us on our subreddit, Acid Pop Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Acid Pop Podcast for updates almost every month. Or you can send us an email at acidpoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. My search results are going to be weird.
<laughs> yeah, you're going to be getting some weird ads for a while. I thought Andy was kidding. About what? About what? What the episode was. <laughs> oh. Andy never kids about that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, uh, Kelly thought you were kidding about what your show topic was. Nope. It just popped into my brain. I was actually, I just came up with an episode like yesterday. I thought would be a good one would be bad breakups. Yeah. <laughs> Things that crazy exes have done. Yeah. That'd just be an endless list of women being murdered, though. I mean, <laughs> sometimes men being murdered. Yeah. Caustic Soda already did gaming, but there's just a, there's so many stories of people like, oh my god, that guy beat me at Overwatch. I'm going to find out who he is and kill him. Yeah, I'm sure you could put together an episode for that that has little to no crossover. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of stuff has happened since then. There's so there's and there's so many stories about incels now that I thought about it, but I also don't want to be targeted by these crazy people. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. For that episode, we use different names. <laughs> I'm Sandy. <laughs> You're just going to get more targeted with a name like that. <laughs> My name's Sean? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We ready? Yes. Okay. And who cares about the rest of them? <laughs> no, wait. <laughs>